0: What's going on guys? My name is Eldon Niro and welcome to my review of the fifth reason why in the show 13 Reasons Why. I hope you guys are enjoying this review series. If you are and you'd consider leaving a like straight away on the video, that would be much appreciated. Uh, I've really enjoyed reading your feedback on it so far. The comments have definitely died down, but the subreddit is pretty active and it seems as though you all are at least in some way interested in what I think about the show and that's awesome. So uh, thank you all very much. The subreddit will be linked in the description. I will also try and remember to link a playlist for the series itself in case you've missed any episodes so far. This is the fifth one. I'm watching it episode by episode. Sorry that it's been so long since the last episode. Um, I have been quite busy, and I'm trying to get through this as quickly as possible. I literally watch the episode, write the notes, do the review, then on to the next one. And uh, particularly with it being the weekend, I just haven't had a whole lot of time to myself. So uh, hopefully you guys can appreciate and understand that. Anyway, as I said, if you want to leave a like, that'd be great. Um, If not, that's cool too. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a comment with, you know, what your thoughts are, what you think about me reviewing this series. Maybe even suggestions for what you'd like me to do next. That would be pretty good. I'd like to stick to Netflix things if that's alright, but anyway, let's, let's get into the review. Something I never said before about this show was that it's got a really cool intro, it's really simple, it's like an excerpt from an innocent kid's journal, like a child much younger than Hannah would be, but it's very adventurous and imaginative, which I'm sure is an ode to the kind of kid that Hannah was. She clearly does have an outgoing personality, and as much as I've railed against the show's suspect attempts to mold her into a suicide victim, it's pretty interesting that the intro of the show is likely a representation of her innocence and naivety. It's pretty sad to see that being slowly drained as she loses her faith in everyone around her. She did continue to pursue her adventurous and creative ways, but sadly it was in the form of these tapes that guide each episode. This one is tape 3, side A. The episode begins with a really beautiful shot from the floor of a school dance at Liberty High. The screen is awash with blue, and the gentle crooning of Lord Huron helps to solidify the calm atmosphere before it gets interrupted by a crass statement from Hannah. Boys are assholes, she says. She adds, well, maybe not all boys, as the camera zooms in on a lonely-looking clay sitting in the stands watching the night go on. He gazes across the floor to the stands across the hall where he sees Hannah. I refer to them as stands. They're the things that kids sit on in like a high school gym, the way that they would watch a basketball game while sitting on top of these things. They I'm calling them stands. I mean they're they're effectively seats but they just seem more like they are stands because they don't look at all comfortable to sit on nor do they even look like they were actually designed for people to sit on. This scene is so dreamlike in its color that it's not clear if this is happening in real time and he's daydreaming or if this whole scene is a flashback. As Clay dances with Hannah, he exudes extremely uncharacteristic levels of confidence and dance floor skills that would be unbecoming for any awkward introvert, and while we're finally rooting for Clay here, it becomes obvious that this is a dream scene. Clay asks Hannah to stay with him, and as she ponders that request, she takes a step back and sees blood coming from her wrists and staining Clay's white shirt. Boys are assholes, she repeats, but girls girls can be evil, she says, as Courtney appears behind her with a kitchen knife ready to launch it into Hannah's back. Viewers with a keen eye will see symbolism here. But no, seriously, this scene was actually pretty neat. As Clay wakes up in a cold sweat, we know that it was born out of his own head, and that Hannah's blood on his shirt is an obvious reference to the guilt that continues to plague him. Even though he hasn't pinpointed his involvement in her suicide, or at least he hasn't made us aware of it yet, it continues to creep into each episode more and more. I love the calmness and how it was enhanced by the blue colour grading and Clay dreaming of the version of himself that he wishes he was. It felt like a realistic dream. I know the term realistic dream is problematic, but it combined his infatuation for Hannah and how it was powerful enough to make him wish he was more charismatic and and trawling, along with his guilt, as well as Jeff screaming, well done, Clay, while clapping his hands. This happened, uh, Jeff was standing in the stands. I think this emphasizes a level of shame that Clay feels. While Courtney drives the knife into Hannah's back and Clay watches, that shows how he feels like he was complicit in her suicide. He was a passenger to her suffering, or at least that's what he thinks. I'm usually not a fan of dream sequences opening an episode of a TV show, because they're usually tacky and predictable, but this one really did what it was supposed to do, and I have to say I enjoyed it. While Clay drags his sweaty carcass out of bed and bemoans the concept of showering to his neglectful parents, he has to bail from the breakfast table to go to Monet's. As he walks out the door, his idiot father says, Okay, maybe there is something going on with him. Yeah, like, maybe all of the midnight bicycle journeys, the cassette project, the weirdest conversation ever with his 32-year-old school buddy at the kitchen table, and the fact that he lost, like, a stone in sweat overnight, combined with the random scars on his face and the recent suicide of a person in his class, might just indicate that this child requires at least some form of responsible parenting. Clay goes to Monet's, spells out his name to the barista, and receives a coffee that says Cray which I thought was a pretty good metaphor for how his life is going at this point. We see Courtney with her parents, and while one of her dads is talking about her homework, Courtney is scrolling through some group messages on her phone, and I actually paused it for a look and found this to be pretty interesting. In terms of how it showcases each of the characters and their personalities, the discussion topic here is Clay and how close he is to finding out whatever incriminating evidence may be on the tapes. Jessica says she can't deal, and she's going to sleep. This sentence is basically her attitude to everything that happens. She avoids all of her problems because she gets so overwhelmed. When Clay first wanted to talk to her about the tapes, she continuously refused to speak to him. Justin says, I say we fuck him up because he's a reactionary meathead with an explosive personality. He acts first and thinks later, which is exactly why the photo of Hannah first circulated in the school. Alex says, yeah, that's always a good plan, sarcastically, because Alex doesn't have any suggestions of his own. He is completely in this by himself. He doesn't even want to be in this position. The only stance he can take here is to shoot down whatever idea they come up with. Marcus wants to talk strategy, which is exactly why he attempted to convince Clay to throw out the tapes. Marcus is playing 4D chess, while the others are playing checkers, and... Justin is trying to find rude words in a word search puzzle. Anyway, I thought this was a really neat window into their personalities and how consistently the show keeps them in check. Clay is confronted momentarily by Tyler, who wonders why Clay targeted him. Clay seems quite cool in this conversation, and promises that Tyler is the only person he's done something about so far, but he promises there's more to come, and I like the scenes that tease another layer to Clay, like I think his character is fine, even if his diplomatic awkwardness frustrates me at times, but it's believable, and if this is a slow-burning rise to self-discovery, I can definitely live with that. We also see a flashback of Courtney selling tickets to a school dance, which Clay and Hannah both buy tickets to. Clay is so palpably awkward around Hannah and the prospect of attending a dance with her. It's actually kind of endearing, although Hannah seems to find it quite puzzling clay walks past justin's locker and justin follows him they have this really vague conversation about how this is beyond all of us now and if we go down you go down with us and clay says he doesn't care which only frustrates justin even more and that's cool because it's another element to clay like another little piece that we can attach to what his character will most likely eventually become The man who has got nothing to lose is always the one that TV bad guys fear the most, and during this scene there's a simulated heartbeat echoing in the background which keeps getting faster and faster over time. This does a pretty good job of portraying Justin's sense of panic setting in. Justin cannot keep a cool head for long, and it's an interesting paradigm when it's contrasted with Clay and his constant calmness. Clay's mother visits the school's principal, and he says that the school has lost two students in the last two months. Now, maybe I haven't been paying proper attention here, and I've missed something obvious, or maybe he's just talking about both um, Hannah and Kat. But it seems like he's talking about two deaths here. Can the people in the comments confirm if I've just lazily missed something on this show that I am analyzing every episode of, or is he just talking about cat here? Maybe he's talking about something we have yet to learn, I'm really not sure, this kind of puzzled me. As Clay's mom talks to the principal, the camera pans to the other side of the room where Tyler sits in Mr. Porter's office, and this scene really makes my tongue-in-cheek comments from the last episode seem eerily prophetic. This scene is like an origin story for a school shooter. Tyler complains about how he's always the one getting picked on, and Mr. Porter kind of correctly asks what he can do to stop it from happening. For example you know, don't take pictures of of girls. But it's almost as if he's handing him a bag of bullets here. The conversation shifts to Hannah, and Tyler bails from the office before anything meaningful can be said, leaving Mr. Porter just as clueless as he was in episode one. The growing tension in this episode continues as members of the jock crew and Courtney discuss the fact that Clay's mom is in the school. They're so paranoid about Clay finding out whatever it is that's on the tape. Interestingly, Jessica says... Clay won't know that Hannah's lying. This is the second time that Jessica has challenged the narrative, but as far as I know, it's the first time she's done it to someone other than Clay. That means that Jessica genuinely does believe that Hannah is lying. It doesn't mean that Hannah is actually lying though, but this is also really interesting because we have a somewhat genuine character in Jessica challenging the story from an intellectually honest place with seemingly nothing to gain from having this opinion. I suspect Hannah is telling the truth, and Jessica doesn't know the extent of her insubordination because she was either shielded from the truth by Justin, or else Justin left her in the dark on purpose because he had sinister intentions in whatever it was that happened, but this sets Jessica up for a redemption arc, because if and when she finds out the truth, she may very well be the one that helps the truths see the light but it will be interesting to see how this unfolds tyler then joins the gang and says he wants in but he gets violently shut down with the threat of i think getting his arms broken so that's always good there's a couple of flashback scenes with hannah attempting to bridge the gap of what happened at her house with courtney and break down the barriers that courtney is putting up in response hannah says that she can drive courtney and her two friends to the dance And this isn't a really memorable scene, but it is really good to see Hannah making such a pronounced effort to be Courtney's friend and let her know that she understands her struggle, at least to a degree. It's actually an important moment in Hannah's character development because it shows what Hannah's standards are, like what her expectations in high school crisis management are. Hannah is sticking by Courtney, a girl that she barely even knows, because she's concerned about her and how she must feel about being judged by the entire school. Hannah's empathy cannot be understated here. If Courtney harmed herself in some way, or maybe even if her grades dropped or her social stature fell apart, I have no doubt from watching this scene that Hannah would have felt somewhat complicit for not intervening or showing her support, and that's an important credential when we attempt to rationalize Hannah's suicide. It's just another thing that we need to take into account. Hannah drives the court nets to the dance in a brand new Jeep that her dad got. A simple lease change apparently, but a really nice gesture from him because we'd been struggling to find any humanity in him too. Maybe it just runs in the family. We see a very brief reunion of the FML Monet's Three Musketeers, and see that friction still exists between Alex and Jessica. There's some creepy behaviour from Captain Bravado Bryce at the expense of Hannah and Courtney. Eventually, Hannah takes her place in the stands opposite Clay, and it looks like we're gonna find out the reality that Clay tried to erase in his dream at the beginning. As Clay steps down from the dance floor, he appears to stumble, looking nowhere near as sure-footed as he did in the dream. But then there's a sharp return to the present where a lonely clay is perched on the stands in the gym being approached by an everly fatherly tony as we flash back to the dance scene we learn more about the knife that courtney stabbed hannah in the back with she gets approached by a guy named monty i think who wants to dance he asks her if hannah and her are up for some fun later and courtney says i hate to disappoint you but let me tell you something as she whispers in his ear it becomes obvious that she has thrown hannah under the bus something that hannah actually says later on and i had already written down in my notes true hannah under the bus and then hannah actually said it see how good i am at predicting stuff in this show guys we move into the slow song that started the episode with and clay awkwardly suggests that he and hannah do like a slow dance the nervous twitch in clay's face suggests that he was about to lean in for a kiss but then a drunken jessica makes a scene causing Hannah to attempt to step in. On her way to Jessica, this Monty guy just interrupts her and says he found out from Courtney that Hannah is a lesbian dating Laura, another lesbian in the school who's in her class, I think. She also said some stuff about Hannah and Justin. As Hannah storms out of the dance floor, Monty says, hi Corey, to Clay. And this is the second time in this episode that someone gets Clay's name wrong. Before they danced as well, Hannah said to Clay, I didn't know you were here. Maybe Clay has some identity issues and I don't know but he seems really really nameless here. Hannah comes back to the dance floor to pull Jessica out because she hasn't forgotten about her and she does care about her, which is another giant leap towards a better and more sympathetic version of Hannah. It's well, more so than what we got in the first few episodes, anyways. Hannah's new Jeep won't start after she bundles Jessica into it and the scene jumps to the present where Clay has taken Courtney to Hannah's grave, mainly so he could stick it to her and give her a piece of his mind. She attempts to... um I guess excuse her complicit activity in Hannah's suicide by saying she didn't want anyone to know that she was gay because she's had to put up with so much abuse all her life because her dads are gay and they've had to put up with so much abuse. We jump back to the dance and we see Tony and Hannah have a budding friendship and it begins with him jump starting her car. Tony follows Clay to the cemetery, of course because he has nothing better to do with his life. He also brought Clay's bike with him, because he's a sound weirdo. And then we see Justin and Jessica continue to quarrel about what they're going to do with Clay. Tony gives Clay a cassette tape, the one that starts with the slow song that Hannah and Clay dance to. It's the same cassette tape that he had given to Hannah after he jump-started her car. Clay then makes a paper headstone for Hannah and... We immediately cut to a scene of Clay cycling home and the jocks driving up behind him. It's not clear at this point who's driving the car who's in it, but the car is filled with jocks and the tension grows so much stronger uh, as they get closer and closer. Then they bundle a confused Clay into the passenger seat of the car and drive to speeds of 90 miles per hour with the lights off. It's actually Alex who's driving. Justin is sitting in the back behind the passenger seat and there's another guy to the left of Justin whose name I will never attempt to remember so I will call him Chad. Justin tells Clay that he can't fuck with them and he needs to back off. Clay says he gets it but Alex continues speeding. As the police pull Alex over we learn that Alex's dad is the cop who pulled him over and that he won't be facing any punishment. Justin is on cloud nine after learning this information. He's learned that Alex's dad is a cop and this makes him so happy because he feels like he has even more leverage now with Clay than he had ever had before which means that his potential schemes to get Clay to back off are only going to get worse and worse. As the episode draws to a close, we learn that Clay's mother uh, works at the law firm that have been hired by the school to defend the school in the lawsuit against the Bakers. She asks Clay if he knows anything about bullying in the school. Clay denies even knowing Hannah, and I'm conflicted about this scene. On one hand, I think Clay was pragmatically thinking he doesn't want to give up any information here because he doesn't want to strengthen the school's position because he would surely want justice for Hannah, and he would want the Bakers to get the best possible deal and closure from the settlement. But I also think that Clay doesn't know what's on the rest of the tapes and he doesn't want anyone to find out that information. On the other hand, I feel like it's a little bit spineless of him to not appeal to his mother's emotive side by urging her not to take the case or at least explaining his issues with the school's position here. The episode ends with Clay crying in the shower. There's actually an interesting psychological theory as to why people cry in the shower. and There's a psychologist called Lauren... Bilsma not sure how you pronounce the the surname it's B-Y-L-S-M-A if anyone wants to google it but basically she analyzed a study that was conducted on over 5,000 people in 35 different countries and concluded that people who cry in the shower often do so out of guilt and research shows that people who are plagued by memories of unethical moments in their lives they're also more likely to use antiseptic wipes to clean themselves so I think that Clay crying in the shower after an episode where he bemoaned the very concept of showering is, uh, is is pretty symbolic and pretty obvious. Clay is riddled with guilt and doubt and shame, just as his dream at the start of the episode suggested. I have to say, I really liked this episode. I think it might actually be one of my favorite episodes. Uh, just for the consistency in the characters and how it continues to get stronger throughout every episode. Um, I like the way that Hannah's character is changing and she seems a lot less psychopathic, uh, which is always a good thing when you're supposed to feel sympathy for a main character. Um, I'm kind of excited by Clay's potential character arc, at least the one that I think it's going to be. I think there could be a really good payoff there. I think Tony is sort of coming good as well. I mean if I think outside the box about Tony, his character makes no sense. Like, what is he even doing in that school? He is never in class. Has he been hired from a zombie Hannah to follow Clay everywhere he goes? That's actually how it appears. But he's coming good. He's definitely... The way that his answers have gotten less vague and his actions have become more obvious and more helpful... Uh these little turns can help to develop a character like that. So, um it's it's interesting to watch definitely. No doubt about it. Um the s- sort of predictions I made about Justin, I I still think that those are all correct. Everything I've been saying the last few episodes, I think it's just going to get more and more intense as it goes on. So, um, these are all things that I'm looking forward to, though, I have to say. The show is definitely growing on me and does so with each passing episode, so that's always a good thing. I hope you guys are still enjoying this series. Sorry that it's been so long since the last episode. I am watching the show at the same pace that Clay is listening to the tapes, so slowly but surely, and, uh, eventually we will get there. Anyways, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a like, that would be amazing. I've been El De Niro, thanks for listening.